Welcome to Art Conversations, and I am your host, Lisa Jane Irvine. As a practicing visual artist, I've had the opportunity to meet many interesting individuals along the way. Every path I've ventured down has provided me with a greater knowledge in the arts, as well as a vast array of experiences that have helped to shape my practice both in and out of the studio. I encourage you to grab a cup of tea or even a coffee and settle in as we begin my conversations with my guests who are working, practicing, exploring, even playing in the arts. Well, I can hardly believe it's been a year since I started the podcast, and today is going to be a special edition to celebrate the anniversary. I never anticipated the journey that this podcast would take me on, and I definitely hadn't thought ahead to what one year would look like into the recording of the podcast, but it certainly has been rewarding and fulfilling in so many different ways. So for today's edition, I have planned something a little bit different. So instead of inviting on a guest to be interviewed, I have actually flipped the tables around and I reached out to my first guest, who was Lydia Swanson, a dear friend, mentor and fellow artist and asked her, would she like to take over the hosting chair? So in today's episode, Lydia interviews me as the guest instead of me interviewing her. And we reminisce a little bit about where we started a year ago. So join in. Don't forget to get a coffee or a cup of tea and sit back and enjoy. Thank you, Lydia. Oh, I have big shoes to fill. You're so you're so animated and so natural and so experienced in this, and I'm not. Oh, I think you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So I, one question that I've been thinking about, Lisa, I know we talked about it before, but maybe the audience would like to know, why did you decide to do a podcast in the first place? Well, it goes back to partially to where we live and the pandemic. Living in Ontario, Canada, we had a lot of lockdowns. And in particular, the region that I live in, we were in lockdown more than most areas. Mm. So I was missing the community that I had in the arts. I had been used to going to gallery openings, to visit galleries, to chatting with artists, to going out for coffees. And suddenly that was all gone. And so it was just that desire and need to talk to other artists. And even though I had been on some Zoom conversations, I still was missing something about the creative process and hearing about what people were doing. So I crazily decided to start a podcast. My partner had actually been toying with the idea of starting his own podcast and him and one of his friends were sort of playing around with some podcasting equipment. And I was sort of sitting on the sidelines watching them going, kind of interesting. And then it just dawned on me like, I could probably do that. (laughs) So I literally sent out an email to 10 artist friends. And I said, I'm thinking of starting a podcast, want to be on it. And I thought some of them would say, you're crazy, don't do it. And everybody said yes. So suddenly I was being held accountable to what I put out. So that's sort of how it evolved. And and you've got uh, 39 interviews under your belt. Now, you said you started with 10 artists. How did you decide on the rest of the artists? 
a lot of it was just, you know, sometimes people would refer me to somebody. They'd say, hey, you should check out this artist. Some of the artists were people who I had followed on Instagram for ages and really liked their work. And I just reached out sort of like a cold call and said, you know, I have this podcast. Do you want to be on it? Some people I met in person. So once things started to open up here again this year, I had gone to some shows and met some artists and said, I've run a podcast. Would you like to be on it? So it's really been organic and it's sort of flowed nicely into the people that I've got to meet. So some artists I knew, some artists were brand new to me and we were getting to know each other through the show. It's really quite interesting how it just began to roll and it was so successful. What kind of advice would you give somebody who's toying with the idea of doing a podcast? I would say, first of all, research how to do a podcast. I went in trying things. So there was a lot of trial and error. I started out using some programs that I thought would work well. And for various reasons, they didn't do what I needed them to. I'd also say you have to be really good at time management and scheduling because there are a lot of moving parts. I might be talking to five or six artists at once and things are coming and going as you're doing that. So for example, artists provide me with promotional images. So I have to manage those files. Trying to schedule, I have a full-time job, so I'm trying to manage between my full-time job and doing this on the side. It really, it's it's being super organized and having a system that works for you. That's a lot of organizing. A lot of good tips for people who are just starting out. Now, you've done a lot of talking with artists. Any insights that you've gathered from them? Oh, there's been so much. I think a common theme is the importance of process. A lot of artists have talked about their time in the studio and how their creative process is so informative to what they create. They do talk about their end product, but if you really listen, a lot of them talk about what they do when they're actually in the studio. And I'd say one of the key pieces of advice that's come up a few times from some of the artists is you just got to show up in the studio. Like if you want to be creative and you want to create, you just got to show up and do it. I know that you do that. You get into the studio. That is your best time, your favorite time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So what do you have going yourself? What's going on in your studio? I've been working on a flower series. It started out of COVID and it's evolved. I was working on canvases, uh, large scale canvases. And now I'm working on Mylar, which is a, for anybody who doesn't know, it's like a plastic film. And I'm working in layers and just playing and having fun. And I have so many ideas and not enough time for studio. So <laughs> I, I love when I get down there. And right now, honestly, my studio needs a good overhaul and clean because it's been so busy down there lately. And I've seen some of your beautiful flowers. I know you started a series on flowers during COVID. What do you think of doing with that series? They're beautiful flowers. I really would love to exhibit them. I have a part two kind of idea that I haven't fully worked out, but I would like to do almost like a an interactive garden where you can actually move through the mylar. So somehow they're hanging so you can walk through the space. I haven't fully figured out how they hang or if they're full sheets of mylar or if I cut out flowers, but there's some of the ideas that I'm playing with in my studio right now. So are you thinking of any particular exhibit space that you might be able to use? You know what? I don't have a specific space in mind, but I am definitely open to figuring out like what would work within any particular space that I could have. I would love to get into a public art gallery so that I could share it with more people. I think 
people react to flowers. It's I know it's like a common object. It's something we see in nature and we're used to seeing around, but no matter what, people have some sort of reaction, emotional, sometimes it's memory based. So like people will say to me, oh, that makes me think of my grandmother or that makes me think of this time in my life. And I think it's it's an interesting subject matter to work with. At first, I thought it was too common, but I realized just how rich a subject matter it is. And I have thousands of ideas out of this simple form. I know that you are never short of ideas. In fact, they bounce off the walls in your studio. <laughs> and we've had lots of conversations about it. What advice would you give? Because you are so experienced, you know so many artists, you are part of the Ontario Artists Network. What advice would you give somebody who's just starting out? I think if you're just starting out is to experiment, play and learn You really don't know what your avenue is. You might think you're going to go down one subject matter or concept. But if you haven't really got the technical experience and you really haven't had the time to grow as an artist, I would say take courses, get out and try new things and sort of figure out what calls you because you might have been trained one way. You might have learned under certain teachers, but it might not fully be your voice yet. And the more you play, the more you experiment, the more you try things, I think that's where you find your voice and your passion. You've had a lot of experience, but you've had mentors along the way. Can you Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about what role they've played in in your development? Mentors have been huge in my development. I think what's great about a mentor is... They ask you critical questions to get you to think about what you're doing. Sometimes we get in the process of doing Mm -hmm. and we don't really ask why or we don't really stop to think about where we're going. And every mentor I've had has really sat me down and asked me some really difficult questions and taught me to look at my work in a new way. And that has been so valuable. And each mentor comes with their own experiences and their own backgrounds. So I've worked with sculptor mentors. I've worked with painting mentors. I sort of see myself going back and forth because I am a sculptor and a painter. Right now I'm painting, but I have some ideas that are starting to percolate for sculptures, which hasn't happened in a while. So I'm like, I'm trying to keep them on the side a little bit till I get through some of my painting ideas. But that's the great part about being in the arts is you can expand. Going back to the question you previously asked was, I remember when I was in art school, we sort of had this push to pick our medium or pick our direction. And I think when I look at artists, most artists don't do that. And uh, we can look at famous artists like Picasso, who worked in ceramics, he worked in paint, he worked in, you know, sculpture. And I think it's more find the way to express yourself and not worry so much about the medium, but get yourself proficient in that medium. And mentors have really helped me realize that I can work in any material. I really just got to think how about communicating through that material. Yeah. And you've been a mentor to me. I know anytime I'm stuck, I take a photograph (laughs) of uh, where I am in my painting and send it off to you and say, help. I don't know where to go. That goes so both I, ways. <laughs> I think it really helps to have somebody on the other end of uh, your phone, your iPhone, to help. Yeah. yeah. Now, there have been a lot of courses online and in-person uh, is starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about books? Any books that you would oh, particularly I, recommend? 
I love I know, books. I know. You're getting tiny <laughs> thousands. <laughs> I absolutely love books. And there are so many. I mean, years ago, I picked up Julia Cameron's Artist's Way. And that was really pivotal in making me realize that I could do whatever I wanted and let go of anything that was sort of in my way. It's not necessarily an easy read. I'm not going to tell everybody it's just to flip the pages and read because you really have to do some introspective self-reflection. But that book is is so valuable in any artist collection. And I, and I think artists fight it because sometimes they don't want to do the hard work. <laughs> I think any book that has to do with creative process is interesting. So for example, Viola Thorpe, she's actually a dancer. She is incredible. And she has this amazing book that she wrote about the creative process. And I think that's a great book, again, about thinking about how you go about your own creativity and your process. And people might be thinking like a dancer for the arts, but I think she approaches it in such a beautiful way that you can use it across any medium and any discipline. Like I could see a musician loving it as much as a painter. And then, of course, I love reading about artists and their lives. So Ninth Street Women is a great book. It's all about the women of the abstract expressionist time period. And it talks about New York City and community and the lives and interconnectedness of all those artists. And it's so fascinating. I got lost in their stories. And I just wanted to transport myself back to 1950, 1960, New York City. But yeah, there, I think a book is so important in, in learning about other people's process because you might find something in that that really sparks something new in your own journey. And it doesn't mean you take away everything they do, but you start to understand like every artist's life is complex. Every artist goes through good, bad times. Sometimes the work is good and working out and their studio process is amazing. And other times they're struggling. And I think just to have that understanding that we all have that commonality in the creative process. I think you talked about the technical part of art, but really now you're talking about much more of a spiritual lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know that you've been involved a little bit in that spiritual creative process. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I think the creative process is an amazing thing and and it ebbs and flows. You do need some technical background, but I also think sometimes you need to lose yourself in that process. And I had somebody describe it to me as like meditation or prayer when you're creating, where you get into the flow of a work and you forget about everything else around you. Pros and cons of that is sometimes you forget you have to eat (laughs) or sleep, but you, you sort of, get into the work and it it sort of becomes part of your spirit. And I always say I'm an artist first and everything else second because everything I do is connected to the arts. It's so much an integral part of my being. So I really believe that of you because I've seen you move from painting to sculpture to just living a creative life. And I think you really are a, a spiritual type creative being. Oh, thank you. Have you. To be. you have to <laughs> thank be you. Interesting, you've named a couple of artists, the 1950s uh, group Mm -hmm. in New York. Is there any particular artist that you would just love to just sit down and have a a coffee in your backyard? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Historically, I would love to sit down with, I would actually like to have them together because I think it would be interesting, Van Gogh and Frida Kahlo. 
I think it would be such wow. an, an interesting <laughs> dynamic. I mean, I, I imagine there would be tension and their passion for painting, which is interesting because they both did a lot of portraits, um, which is not my avenue or my subject matter. But I think that just hear about their passion and their journeys would be so fascinating. They've also, they also had very interesting life stories. So I'd love to just sit and have them talk about their life stories and who they know and who they met along the way. So that would be historically contemporary. Oh, there's so many. (laughs) Who would I choose? There, there are so many artists that I would love to just have a coffee with. Well, just, just give us a list. Oh, Lydia, we care to be here all day. (laughs) (laughs) Such an unfair question. I know it is because there's so many amazing artists right now. And I think, you know, I'd be grateful for anybody who wants to sit down for a coffee. I think Yayo Kusama would be amazing just to sit with her and, and, and hear about her process and how she how she comes up with her colors and her combinations and these immersive structures that she creates that would be incredible it's amazing what we can learn just by talking with artists other Mm -hmm. artists and looking at their work is there any particular thing that you look for when you're in an art gallery and you look at other people's paintings that's a great question I think sometimes I go into a gallery just I just want to see just whatever and I will be drawn into something it could be like a brush mark or it could be the subject matter and I sit there and I stare at it and I could have seen this painting a thousand times in a gallery and and it just didn't draw me in but maybe it's related now to something I'm trying to explore so I think you know there's not one thing that I look for I I do try to see a variety of art so that I'm exposing myself to different things that maybe I wouldn't normally search out I'll go to openings knowing that it's not related to anything I'm personally working on, but like, let me see what the artists are doing and what's contemporary. I recently went to the Art Gallery of Mississauga for their 10 by 10 exhibit, and there was these large banners that an artist had done, and they had with magnets attached these beautiful portraits. And I was just taken by them. I was kept standing in front of them and I'd go away and look at other work and I'd come back. And I don't know if it was just the the gentle flow of the banner and the beautiful delicacy of the portrait, but I was drawn right into them. So again, not related to what I'm doing. I'm not doing portraiture, but it was, they were just so captivating that I kept coming back to them. It sounds like uh, the idea you have with floating gardens mm-hmm. your, with your mylar pieces. They seem to interconnect with what you just described. That's true. I never even thought about that. <laughs> so, yeah. it's, yeah. It's, it's quite complex, this creative yes. process. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you had any one piece, well, maybe maybe that's an unfair question again to, to focus you that, that narrowly. But if you had one or two or three pieces that you would like to hand down and be remembered, if somebody had a, let's say a book that had the best pieces from Lisa Irvine, oh. what piece, what one or two, I'll give you two or three pieces. One is unfair. Okay, I think definitely the piece that I did in 2016, it was a piece about breast cancer. So this was in honor of my maternal grandmother who passed from breast cancer. And the idea came to me probably about 
six or seven years before I actually got to create it. And basically what the work was, was I put a call out after receiving a grant to see if there were models or people in the community who had a connection to breast cancer who would be comfortable with having their breast cast. And through the molds, I actually cast honeycomb shapes with a breast on them. And it was all poured in natural beeswax. And there were a hundred of them because at the time it was statistically based on in Ontario. For every one male that had breast cancer, there were a hundred women. Wow. Now, I haven't researched recently if that number has gone up or down, but I, it's like a snapshot of time. And so I was surprised by the number of people that came forward and I got to do these beautiful casts. And it was interesting because I was working with so much beeswax, I would buy it in bulk. And I learned a lot too about material. I chose beeswax because my maternal grandfather was actually a beekeeper as a hobby. So it connected still to my maternal grandmother. And bees, when they pollinate and they gather and create the wax, the wax takes on the smell of the flowers that they are pollinating. And I hadn't realized that because a lot of beeswax we use in candles and stuff have been so purified that they remove that smell. And because I was using unpurified beeswax. I was using the natural beeswax. My studio, depending on the block of wax, would take on a new smell. <laughs> and so this piece, when I finally got to exhibit it, and I showed it at the Art Gallery of Burlington, it was in one of their smaller galleries. You would smell the wax before you met the exhibit. And when you walked into the room, it was what took over the whole room was the smell. Mm. And in each breasts, I had drawn a design which was based on cancer cells and the varying levels of cancer that women have. And so it was this collage of, it was almost like a, a hive or a honeycomb collection of breasts on the wall for the piece. So that would definitely be the first one. <laughs> Hope I described that well. <laughs> yes, you did. I saw that piece. Uh, it's quite beautiful and very personal. Mm-hmm. thought that was uh, very, uh, very intriguing. And I think the other piece I would choose was probably my very first. It wasn't my first artwork because obviously as I've been creating since a child, like most artists, but it was my first piece that I ever exhibited. And it, it again had a very personal context. It was about my maternal grandfather and his beekeeping. And I had actually got a hive body, which is the the frames that beekeepers use to collect the wax and to house their bees. And I had assembled my family history from my mom's side in the actual hive body. So that would probably be a pivotal piece. And then painting wise, painting so interesting (laughs) because I've worked in such a diverse range of subject matter. I would have to say I'd want one of my abstractions from 2016, where I worked with a mentor at the Dundas Valley School of the Art. They were my first pieces on Mylar. And then I would say my COVID Dahlia, because that was a really pivotal piece in changing my direction. Mm. I've chosen four. (laughs) I didn't think you could just 
do what? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're a prolific artist and you are an artist that uh, doesn't use just one medium. Mm-hmm. I think you're very right with uh, uh, citing Picasso because he was so prolific in so many different medias. Mm-hmm. And you certainly can be a Picasso. You certainly have done that. It's taken me years to be comfortable with that because, like I said, I, I somewhere in my early schooling got the message that you should only work in one medium, yeah. and that's what you should do for your lifetime. And and I've always been comfortable working in a variety of materials, mm-hmm. from oils to acrylics to sculpting with wax and plaster, and it was a bit of a struggle. It it really took me a while to sort of let that go and just go. I'm going to be an artist. Yeah. And how creative, not to be so restrictive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It can be overwhelming too, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> well, those ideas, again, again, bounce <laughs> off your walls, your studio walls, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so what is in the future? Uh, I will definitely continue podcasting. I think the next year, the podcast is going to evolve a little bit. We'll have to figure out how that looks. There's so many different reasons why it's evolving. I'm continuing to work in my studio and I'm always open to new opportunities. I hope within the next, my goal is within the next five years to have a solo exhibition. I think that timeline is realistic for me right now. I definitely have ideas for it. And other than that, I'm open to just playing and and exploring new things and being open to whatever comes my way. I don't want to, I don't like closing doors. I don't like to box myself in. So I think it's important. Well, Lisa, I know that it's going to be something really quite interesting and certainly creative, artistic, all of those things, because uh, your your path so far has been quite incredible. Oh, thank you. Quite incredible. <laughs> Still lots more to journey. go. <laughs> more, more to come. Go. Stay tuned. Exactly. Anything <laughs> you want to say? After a year of, of podcasting. Yeah, I, I would reflections. Like, I think, you know what, I'd like to thank all the artists because, you know, they've given me their time, which as an artist can be valuable. And a lot of them, you know, have varying busyness of lives, whether they're teaching or they have families or they're working on their own shows. And I've really appreciated that because, you know, other than me just saying, hi, you want to do a podcast? <laughs> they've they've really been generous and gracious with what they've shared with me. And I've been humbled by a lot of their stories and hearing, you know, their journey to being an artist. And it would be without fail if I didn't say thank you to all of them for taking that time to come on the journey with me. Because um, there's so much a big part of what happened and how this came together. So I'm grateful for that. And you are on Instagram, you have a podcast, you have a web page. Yes. Is there any other medium that you're thinking that you might explore? I think eventually I would like to teach online. I think that's down the road. I've looked into it. I just, again, it's that work-life balance, deciding when the right moment is. But I would like to take what I do in the classroom with my students and bring it to a wider audience For those who don't know, I do teach full-time and I teach art. So to be able to share some of that and some of my studio tips and tricks and little things that I've learned over the time, I think that would be a great extension of what I already do. Well, I think you have a lot to give, especially with your teaching background. I hope so. (laughs) Have you thought about what a lot of artists do and take trips, teach painting? 
Yeah, I have thought about that. That's a dream. When I finish my teaching career, I definitely want to take my teaching on the road. Right now, I'm still teaching full time. So it's not possible with the schedule I have. But I would love to go through Italy and teach people to paint or go to Portugal or Ireland or, you know, Ireland can be a little more challenging though if we're painting outdoors. <laughs> the rain naturally falls. But uh, I, th- I think it would be amazing to be able to do some sort of retreat um, and take that international. And, and you could probably do it. You're so well organized. I hope so. Like, I think it's yeah. just figuring out how to do it, you know, having not done it before. But yeah. I know the year that I went to Europe, there was so, my eyes were like wide open. It's like I could use this as a teaching moment. And I would love to sit and talk to people about this. And, you know, I remember the tour guides telling me to just like, we know you understand this, just let the other tour guides take over. Like, not get in. I was so excited to see some of the art. They're like, yeah. just enjoy. Well, yeah, you were such a giver and are so willing to help other people. How do you feel your, your own self? Uh, nature. I really have to get into nature, whether it's in my garden or going for a hike or just like I recently went off the grid for a week and was in a cabin. Just it really is getting back to nature. My dream one day is to have a giant property where I can just wander around and nobody will bother me and I'll be happily out in the middle of nature. So it's so good to see that you have dreams. (laughs) There's no end to anything. (laughs) (laughs) I keep dreaming. Yeah, but that's where you start. Yeah, that's how you you got into podcasting and everything else that you do. Yeah, Uh, you allow yourself to dream, not just in in one medium either. Sometimes it gets me in trouble though. (laughs) How did we get down this alley? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's what artists do. They get into a lot of trouble. Yeah, look at all the artists. That's why they have such interesting lives because they get into trouble. Yeah, they explore. They're curious, right? So yeah, it's a good thing. And I think you certainly have all those aspects. So thank you so much, Lydia, for taking on the chair. (laughs) This is is harder than you think. (laughs) Oh, you really have to have a lot of praise because (laughs) you do it so, so smoothly. Thank you. I appreciate it. So thank you again for doing this. And I'm so happy to share this one year anniversary with you. Oh, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for you. I think this is this is quite an accomplishment. I remember when you first told me about it and you said, I don't know where it's going to go. Maybe I'll just do a few podcasts and that's it. And look at you. And I, I'm sure that you've got a whole lineup of other people that you could ask. I have I know a- that there are people who would love to to be on your podcast. Yeah. So. I have a list of people, so I keep just putting out so many requests at a time and we see where it goes. So Have fun. Thank you for tuning in to Art Conversations with Lisa Jane Irvine. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and hit the like button. And don't forget to check out my website, Facebook and Instagram accounts. Thank you for listening. See you next time.